I'm going to turn these down a little bit more just in case things clip a little bit. Clippy. Because we laugh and have <laughs> fun times together. I don't laugh. What are you um, talking about? Well, that's John, fair. John farts loud, though, so that could be what you need to be careful of. Yeah. We do need to be careful of farting. Okay, you got all that out of your system? I won't be clipping. <laughs> Don't be clipping, man. <laughs> Don't be clipping. Don't be clipping. No, no clippies. <laughs> Clippy whippy. I'll give you a clippy whippy if you clippy. Live from New York. Yeah. It's John and Cody Toad. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's not New York. It's oh, Joplin, Missouri. Oh. But close enough, right? Just a couple miles apart. Yeah, well, just a little bit. Excellent. Excellent. I'm glad you could be with us today, Jeremiah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm here. Oh, wait, my name. My name is... Do you need to know my name? Okay. Hi, my name is Jeremiah Jones. And I like to do podcasts specifically for the Joplin Toad. I've never actually hosted a podcast, but I've edited all of them together and posted them to our thing to make them live for people to listen to. So I am in charge now for this one with my friends here, John and Cody Toad. But not really Toad. Not John, Toad. No, John and Cody Martin. I just put you in as John Different and Cody animal. Toad. Different animal. We're yeah. Martins, not Toads. Right. John and Cody Toad. I mean Martin. You totally <laughs> did didn't totally do that did. one on purpose. I totally did. <laughs> totally. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> I'm going to start this again. <laughs> I think all this should be in the it intro. Probably, it probably will Everyone be. will love it. Everyone will. I'm here with John and Cody Martin. Hooray! Hello. hello, John and Cody. Hi. Well, hello, Jeremiah. We spent the whole weekend together, and it's been fantastic. I'm glad you guys were able to be here. Indeed, it has Indeed. been, and thank you for being such a lovely host. Well, you're welcome. I try sometimes. My wife's a better host than I am. She so, is, yeah. but we put up with you. No, yeah, that's that's kind. I appreciate that. Oh, it's part of the package. Right. Right. Well, thanks for putting up with my kids. You know. Yeah, they're, they're cool. Yeah, it's just you. Just me. You're right. <laughs> <sighs> I'm gonna get better at that. <laughs> Um, so we, uh, we'll get to the reason <laughs> why I think we've lost John. That's okay. We will get to the reason why. <laughs> reason why. <laughs> See, this is fun. Cause I can hear it on my headphones, but. Oh, that's excellent. But you can't. I can hear you though. And I can hear John and me. So it's almost like I can hear it in the headphones. It's kind of like it. Almost. Okay. Kind of like it. We did clip at some point. I don't. Oh, I hear crying. Don't be clipping. You're right. Boo. Don't be clipping. <laughs> so we'll get to the reason why you were here in Joplin in a little bit for this weekend. But why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourselves? Tell, tell us who you are, John and Cody. Martin. You can go first, Mr. John. Okay, I'll go first. I'm John Martin, and I write short stories and articles and such. Um, I also do a lot of stuff with my hands, which is why I got into making the journals is because I really like just seeing all the colors and stuff come together. And then when I'm finished sewing them, it's nice to have a 
a tangible, useful object. But just making them is only half of the beauty. Really what people put into them is what I would love to be able to see. But, you know, a lot of people don't want you seeing what they put into the journals. So, so yeah, sometimes I get to see them, sometimes not. But that's the real beauty is what people put into them. Excellent. That's Mr. John. Now, I'm Miss Cody. I'm Cody. I do art of all sorts. I do a lot of drawing, a lot of, um, I do some watercoloring, learning how to do that more. I'm the other half of the journal making process, our business, Little House Journals. I make the covers and come up with the themes and designs. And it's really fun because we can get out all of our, I can get out all of my artistic juices in different styles. Each journal has its own personality and look and it's fun. I can do something that's totally like moody and dark and cool and then flip and do something that's bright and cheery and happy and I like that flexibility in my art world. I like how as you said bright and cheery the, the sun, sun came out totally and literally came shone out. into this room that it was, was great. Like a moment did Fantastic. you all hear the angels they were like Exactly. Only better than that. That was awesome. I wish we had that on camera. It was epic. Just take our word for it. We're not lying to Leave you. Us. Leave that us. That was kind of neat. I, I told it. people that Cody makes them look pretty and I just keep them together. Mm. The people or the journals? Well. <laughs> Sometimes that's how it works. John is so into his art that he talks to it. <laughs> that's right. And I just make them pretty. <laughs> It's okay to talk to your art, John. I, I appreciate that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Speaking truth into your art, literally. I'm confused, but we'll keep no, going. It's all right. I'm I I'm great at making people confused. So congratulations. <laughs> so we are uh, <laughs> wanting to talk about Joplin because that's kind of what Toad is all about. Um. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about how. Joplin has influenced you as a creative, um, if it has, um, or if it's more than that, uh, like maybe there's people of Joplin that, that inspired you. Well, Joplin's definitely, in the practical side, one of the places we come to get some of our supplies. You know, we get inspiration from some of the craft stores here and get some goodies for the artsy, artsy things we do. But the biggest influence of Joplin, of course, is the people... I mean, we have some very close dear friends and in the Limners group that have been huge inspirations for um, our, our, our art and our spiritual walk and just our lives in general. I mean, I can say our friends down here in Joplin have influenced our lives for the better on a level I don't even know that I can come up with a good number to give. It's It's amazing. They're... They're precious to us. And we come to the Joplin community, gosh, multiple times a month anymore. And uh, it's it's really awesome, the energy here and the encouragement we've received. Um, we've made some lifelong friends that I don't know how we'd get along without. What do you think, John? Yeah, I mean... Those that don't know us, we live an hour away, so there's really not much 
in our area for us. No. Right at the moment, I mean, things can always change. People can start stuff, obviously, but the just the artistic community of Joplin is just really nice because everybody seems to have an open mind about art. Yes. And just more understanding that people have different um different viewpoints on art like some people take a a little more edgy darker approach and then others take a a lighter funner spirit in the art i think art is taken more seriously i guess you could say in joplin than in the nevada nevada seems very practical in some ways and arts kind of there there's i mean there is an art community i'm not gonna say that it's it's just not real not real huge that we've seen or we all need to get together and figure out where we're at. You know, maybe they're out there and like can't, they've just not all come together <laughs> to where we can make something happen. Um, as far as my opinion goes, Joplin has really helped me. Like I say, more so just the people in the community, like the Lumners has really helped spark my writing and just continuing to write. Um I know Mr. Schultz has been a a big uh, influencer with my writing life, even though we've only been around each other maybe like, I don't know, maybe 20 times total or more since we met. So it's just kind of neat that we can all influence one another just by, you know, hearing, hey, you know, my book's coming out. It, it just makes other people start turning their gears in that, you know, maybe I should start writing. And so, you know, then you turn around and then your book's coming out and it's, it's just great. And then they, the, you tell the people that sparked you and they're happy for you and mm-hmm. they're supportive of you. So it's a, a nice continuous cycle. Yes, and just the acceptance and encouragement of any form of art or whatever you want to do. And, you know, we've I've been able to find good people to... I'm trying to learn how to do some watercoloring, and I've had some good friends in the Jop... Either that lived in the Joplin area recently and have moved or are still in the area that have been awesome to give advice. And, you know, thank goodness for the internets. We can not have to drive all the way down here to uh to to meet or visit you know we can chat over the internets and that's really helpful and uh yeah it's been really we're just starting we feel like to touch the tip of the iceberg of learning how to be more involved with our arts in this community and in our own hopefully take some of that home too yeah john you just published your first book not too long ago yeah, that was done at the end of August. It was my first short story collection. Yay! Yeah, that's awesome. It's a huge deal. <laughs> yeah, and, and I know a lot of uh, people in the community here, um, you're talking about Limner Society, and um, they were, you know, big proponents of encouraging you to, to push forward and, and help you get that done. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's it's really cool to see that come together. So, I mean, the big topic we're really talking about right now is kind of the importance of community. Um, right. And uh, yeah, there, there's obviously a strong community of artists here in Joplin um, to help, you know, 
push us towards an end goal or uh, to encourage us in the moment or anything like that. Uh, let's talk about, um, you've, you've brought some people from Nevada area out here um, to be part of some of those gatherings. So is there something like that kind of brewing in that area um, that you guys, like, have you seen something here in Joplin with that community that you're just like, oh, I, we really need that in Nevada? And are you trying to replicate that where you're at? Absolutely. I mean, we, yes, we had some other young artist friends that uh, showed interest, creative friends, I should say, that have showed interest in what the Limners were. And we invited them and they've come with us. I think we have we had three we've brought and they love, love, love the community down here. It was huge support to them and they're younger and they're still trying to figure out their path. And so it was, they told us that it was very refreshing to see other people, some living out their creativity in a hobby or some of doing it as their job and uh, their livelihood. And it was very encouraging for them to pursue what their heart really wants to do in the creative realm. And so they, uh, they definitely want to keep coming with us to meet it with the Joplin community, but we've definitely decided probably the first year to start something like a Limner's or a branch off, if you will, in Nevada to find uh, and hopefully find more creatives that are needing that community and needing that encouragement and support and just, you know, being there for one another and helping point people to the resources and um, maybe spread that love in the Nevada direction. We're, we're definitely striving to do that. Yeah. And the next day after the meeting that they went to, they, they asked us, so they just meet once a month. <laughs> yeah. It'd be one of them things where they'd probably go, you know, every week or something. Yeah, I think they were hoping it was weekly. It was like, oh, you know, sorry, that's only once a month. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was good, though. Yeah, and I think the large gathering is supposed to, you know, introduce people to one another so that way they can meet more consistently throughout the week. Like, if, you know, you're obviously going to make friendships. You're going to make right. um, people that you really want to invest into their lives. And so uh, I know for, like, my wife and I, we have a lot of people over all the time from that community. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, we, we definitely understand the importance of that. And it's definitely inspired us to do new and exciting things. Uh, yeah. I got, I did Inktober cause you told me to Cody. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a drawing artist, fine artist, however you want to put that. But you did a uh, great job. Well, I really, appreciate it. Thank you. Inktober was really fun to see everybody's creative minds. You know, you just get this one word to prompt you along and to see where everybody's mind took that word and what they come up with was really cool. Right. To just check that out every day. Yeah. Yeah. Having that consistent thing that you're doing each day Mm -hmm. is really important as well. My creative world had kind of dried up for years and, uh, through the limners and the encouragement of that community. And I had started getting back into art and, uh, I started out doing drawing and things and then I went into doing this. I made handmade butterflies and uh, that was really going well and really fun. I really enjoyed it. And I think it was what I needed at that time. And then uh, like, like what happens with creatives, I stumbled upon a different thing that was interesting to me. Um, I watched a YouTuber called Nick, the booksmith, check her out. She's cool. (laughs) Um, and uh, saw her making journals and books, and I, I was just really drawn to her style and the colors she used and the moodiness that her books gave. And I'm like, oh, these look so cool. I showed John. And uh, 
he thought they were neat. And he was really interested in the book binding process. That just really interested him and his uh, skills with his hands. He's always been really good at um, creating with his hands. I've always been one where I like to work with my hands. And I used to attempt to do woodworking, but when nothing would come out straight and I downgraded to a very small shop, it's like, you know, I should probably just find something more economical to do with my hands and more useful. Plus the price of wood was shooting up. I'm just like, you know, this is something that I can let go. So I sold the few tools I had and changed trades. And now we're getting more into the journals and stuff and learning more bindings, which is always fun. Yeah. Changing trades is kind of where I was going was with the butterflies. You know, I really thought I was going to go into that and, and do more of it. But when we found the journals, it was like everything kind of fell into place. And we've always dreamt of having some sort of creative job or thing that we can do together. Um, we're both creative kind of in different ways, but definitely in a way that could come together somehow. We just had never found it. And with the book binding, um, he was very interested in the binding part. I wasn't as interested in that as I was the decorative elements and creating the covers and the themes and making the pockets and, and the... That those aspects are what interest me. So together, we could make a, a journal or a notebook when he bound it, you know. And so what was the thing I learned from that was sometimes in your creative um, journey, you switch gears and it's okay. You know, I've, I, even some people kind of gave me slack about it. It's like, well, you were getting all into this. I thought you were doing that. Why aren't you doing that now? You know, what's the deal? Can you not stick with something? And I'm like, you know, I, I don't know that it was that. I think it was at that time that's what I needed. And it definitely was a springboard to get me back into creating the butterflies were. But the journals now feed what I need creatively way more than the butterflies would if I were still doing them. And it's not that I won't ever do them again, but for now this is where I'm at and I may not do them again. I don't know. But that's okay. Yeah. That, I like that. I mean, you're speaking into how consistency and patience can really lead to something great uh, because you two were pursuing different things creatively right. um, separately. You know, John was writing and, and you were doing these butterfly things, but then uh, all of a sudden something came, came to light and you guys decided, Oh yeah, this could be something we could do together. Uh, but you had to continue to be creative and, and seek out those, those avenues and also, you know, be doing something every day yes. um, to keep you, you know, just the creatively flow. focused. Yeah. Get yeah. the flow, Get the flow going. going. Exactly. So yeah, he, I, he just started binding and made one for, Made for one for himself, a book for himself, and he liked it. And I was like, hey, make me one, you know? And so he bound one for me. And Yeah, it's always one of things where the spouse always wants what you have. <laughs> it's like when you order something at a restaurant, they're like, hey, can I have a bite of that? Well, I didn't take your journal. I just <laughs> thought maybe it'd be cool if I had one, too. He liked binding it, so, you know. But no, it, it was fun. And... You know, with everything that you start, your first ones are going to be terrible. They're going to be crooked. They're going to be ugly. But just get past that and just keep making them because you'll get better. That's right. And our materials, we've upgraded what we use now to better quality materials. And we're still learning what 
people need and like in, in the journaling world. I mean, it's, we're just barely getting started in that. So it's really exciting how versatile it is. And it's definitely something that we can sit down and be like, oh, hey, John will say, I have an idea for this binding. And we'll sit down and sketch it out and talk about it. And uh, he'll tell me, oh, I've got an idea for a cover you could do, you know. So we, we go back and forth and have some really cool conversations and feed each other's creativity, I think. Yeah, it, it's kind of nerdy and technical at times because we'll, we'll talk about like paper grains and, you know, well, this paper is too thick to use for that or, you know, these colors don't work together. Just boring stuff. I need a quarter of an inch space here with your image on the cover so that I can put the thread through there. And, you know, some of it's technical, but then we get to the fun parts. <laughs> yeah. And really, once you get going with it, I just, Taylor Kubitschek said, heard him say something just years ago that just, it has never left me. And he said, when I'm painting, I'm just making a mess. Yeah. I mean, this guy's a phenomenal painter and he's like, yeah, I'm just making a mess. Just slapping the paint on it. We both just no stared at him. We're like, dude, you make like masterpieces. And he's, <laughs> but it's, but it's true. And so that's what I've, that's the attitude I've tried to adapt with the journals is like, yeah, I'm just folding paper, stabbing holes in it and putting thread through it. It's not that big a deal to me. But like I said earlier, the true beauty for me is what people put into it. You know, their memories, their emotions, you know, what they're working through or even their drawings or sketches for the sketchbooks. I mean... And I've definitely learned the the beauty and value of a handmade item. Um, I think it didn't sink in for me until at uh, my birthday back this summer. Mark's wife, Autumn, makes these beautiful pottery. Nine art, yes, nine art ceramics. Thanks, John. And she does beautiful work. And uh, I had mentioned at one point, or maybe, maybe I hadn't and you just were so intuitive and you knew. I knew that she loved... Autumn's work and so before I knew that she wanted anything I had messaged Autumn and said hey make me a couple bowls you know you know Cody's birthday is coming up on June and I'd like to get them and so she got them made and I'm like you know that's great and so we arranged payment and then the the sneaky part came where it's like okay we live an hour apart I don't want you to mail it to me but yet we're going to meet at this retreat, so let's figure out how to sneak it. And so it was funny because the shoebox that it came in was, like, decorated for Valentine's Day. And it said, like, you know, I love you. Happy Valentine's Day. Their and I'm like, this is perfect. It. And it sat basically in the common room the entire weekend and was never bothered. And she walked past it I don't know how many times. It just looked like a box of stuff. Somebody sat down. I had no idea, you know. And it so was finally, hidden in plain sight. So finally, on the last day, I snuck it out to the car. I thought for sure she'd see me because I, I went out the, the, the front porch, walked all the way around the house with this shoebox very conspicuously. All she had to do was see me and know I was doing something. I'm so oblivious <laughs> to things. But luckily she didn't see me and I got it home and she had talked on the way home and she'd love to have a couple bowls made for Madam, you know, and she'd love for them to be blue. And I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, we can see if we can do that. And 
it was still a couple days early, but I knew that there was no way I could hide this Valentine's Day decorated box anywhere <laughs> where she wouldn't find it because our house is super small. And so we was unloading the car and I just brought it in. I'm like, oh, hey, here's an extra box for you. She's like, well, what is this? And I'm like, just open it. And it was a couple blue balls exactly that she talked about on the way home. And she's like, how did you I do was that? so stunned when my jaw just dropped. I'm like, how, what? I just said like the day before too. And yeah, John's pulling magic tricks over here. It was yeah. amazing. And I just cried. I did. I cried. It's like she probably bawled. One, I did. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm like that. But I mean, it was so sentimental to me. Not only was it, you know, the, the trickery that went into getting it to me to hiding it, which was fun, but the beauty that it was a, f- a friend of mine made them and uh, they almost have a glow. They have a presence. I mean, those bowls are v- so precious to me. And I just, I, I, I think of so many things when I see them and it wasn't till I received them that I realized the power of a handmade gift or handmade item. And it started to resonate with me that with our journals, we can, we can bless others with that that feeling that that joyful um energy <laughs> i guess you they almost have a life to the uh, to me to to of them their own uh anything that's handmade now i just i just it's become so special and uh it's so fun to see the journals in the hands of of people and when they genuinely you can tell or are just touched to have something that was handcrafted and uh, looking at the stitching and checking out all the details of it and admiring it. And it, it gives me that feeling all over again. So it's a, it's a, it's a level of a gift that supersedes anything to me that you could buy at a box store or whatever. There's just, there's heart put in to every handmade item. Well, too, going along with that is anymore when I see something handmade, I see that person's time and energy. I don't just see an object. Yeah, the, you know that they fought, struggled to learn how to do whatever that is. And this is where they're at in their craft. And it's so, so awesome to get to be a part of owning a piece of that, that right. story. Right. And like. You know, used to, it would take me over two hours to sew a journal. Now I can do it under two. And it's just, it's just reminding yourself that you're slow and awkward at first, but with time, with practice, you get better and faster and you understand it better. Yeah, that's great. I like that. So you were talking about the beauty of handmade objects, crafts. Um, you were here this weekend for such an event, the hip handmade market at Empire Market. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about that experience a little bit. How, how do you see that impacting Joplin? How do you see that event being good for an area like this? Um, yeah, just talk about your, your first experience with that. Well, I gotta say I was... So surprised, uh, the atmosphere and the energy and just the, the general excitement of people Yes, getting to see all this stuff because I mean, some of those other vendors like us, they're, they're an hour away 
At least, yeah. I mean, there was a silversmith there. The who work, their work was just absolutely beautiful, and it's all done by hand. And I've never seen anything like it. I mean, every one of their pieces was unique, and you know, it just it was a big shock because the week before we went to Kansas City to a show up there, and it was just a totally different experience you know people just buzz by you and not even look at you and stuff and this one people would actually stop and talk to you and you know actually ask questions and stuff genuinely the you know the Joplin community that came were genuinely interested in the handcrafted nature of the items and talking to the craftsmen and and uh, it was so encouraging to see the support of the handmade community that those that came to shop at the hit handmade market, it was very encouraging as a maker to, to see how many people were, were happy to purchase, you know, these, these unique items and tickled to have them for Christmas gifts or just for themselves or whatever. It was as a maker, it was it really, I think for John and I both has encouraged us to, to, to be a part more and make more and uh, continue it. Oh, and two, it was nice to, it was nice for the adults to, I noticed, I heard a lot of them say, you know, they were talking to the children and say, and be gentle with it, you know, there was a lot of respect for all the products. And I didn't really get that vibe in Kansas City. In Kansas City, majority of people just blew us off, you know, all of those books, you know, big deal. You could tell that. That wasn't the atmosphere for us. I mean, we still sold some, but it wasn't a lost cause. But this one was by far better and more enjoyable. And I was so we were so impressed too with those. Uh, shout out to Emma who ran the hip handmade market. She, uh, if you're listening, hi Emma, great job. <laughs> um, she did great with taking care of us I think that was one of the things we were so impressed with I mean we had our own little break room with snacks provided and drinks and um, they would come around and say hey do you need anything do you you know they brought us a slice of pizza at noon just on them I mean they just genuinely took care of their vendors and uh, that was that was really cool to experience I mean it it just made us feel like we really mattered and they really cared it just felt like a little family for the weekend. It was so nice. And and uh, it was just um, uh, just the effort put in and the heart poured into the decorations and the music. We loved the music. It was a, it just made for an excellent atmosphere. The Empire Building is so cool. And uh, the Empire Market, we're, we're excited to be a part of that holiday market coming up too. Empire Holiday Market. And uh, I think... Uh, would love to see this kind of energy in in our town would be awesome. We have a lot of unfortunately vacant buildings from businesses that have had to move on and it would be so be so cool to see something like the Empire Market come to life in Nevada to that well, degree. And the biggest part is the our community doesn't necessarily support that. I feel like the Joplin community has a lot more support for handmade stuff and artistic. Yeah, at least from what we've seen. Not saying they're not out there, but yeah, it um 
seems like a lot of people just do their best to get by and hey, I, I get it, you know, financially it's just how it is. And so um, anything creative or of the arts sometimes gets brushed aside as a, a frivolous novelty that they just can't afford or don't want to afford or isn't necessity. So they don't um, treat it as such. <laughs> and, uh, you know, why buy a journal you know, our at our prices when I can go to the dollar store and get one for a buck, you know, it's that thinking that. Well, it's, it's a whole mindset of seeing value because I mean, our youngest customer has been, she was 12, 11, 12 and she had saved up oh, yes. money and done chores and stuff around the house to get extra money and she paid for a custom journal. Yes. And. You know, again, there's a few of those on the made. I'm not saying we're void of that for sure, but. Uh, well, you have the the aspect of the city, right? I mean, Joplin is a larger area. Oh, so, I mean, there, there is a play and, you know, Nevada is more rural, rural and farm town kind of thing, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. just more country feel. Um, I can see where the, the frivolousness idea would come in, come into play for sure. So how, how would you, how do you think you could create something like that in an environment like that. Um, like bringing something like handmade market to an area like that, where it wouldn't appear to the masses as frivolous that, Oh, like, you know, actually get people's attention being like, yeah, this is something awesome. This is something that our town needs. Um, that's an awesome question, Jeremiah. I wish there was an answer that I can just give you. Um, I think the thing that is the hardest is that, People who make handmade items deserve to be paid. And, uh, you know, they're trying to make a livelihood, too. It would be extremely difficult to get going because there's nothing like that going there. I think the closest thing that we have currently is flea markets, and even they're struggling. And a lot of them are finding it very hard to make ends meet because, I mean... Frankly, it's sad to say, but everybody's buying online. Buying online and they they buy. I mean, we have dollar stores, dollar trees, which I mean, you know, those are cool and they have their purpose. But um, it becomes the norm to only pay minimal for very uh, not well made sometimes stuff. Stepping out and, and paying a better, higher ticket price for a quality item is just beyond what some people's scope is. It doesn't matter what town you're in or what yeah. town you visit. This this problem is everywhere. I mean, big cities have financial troubles just as much as small ones oh, do. yeah. I mean, yeah, they're all... But, um, you know, the main thing is just... Providing people what they need. You know, a lot of towns to survive, you need a gas station, some type of grocery store, and some type of hardware store. I mean, to really exist and thrive, that's what you need. I mean, I come from a small town of 300 where we used to have a a gas station and a grocery store and a bank. In a school, and that was it. And it's still okay. I mean, it it hasn't grown any. (laughs) The grocery store is shut down now. But, you know, the gas station carries a gallon of milk and bread. So 
gas, milk, and bread is really the essentials when the power goes out anyway. So there's there's obviously a struggle for for artists in rural areas. Um, Absolutely. So I guess maybe that's more what I'm trying to hit at is like maybe talk more about how being an artist in a rural area um, impacts your craft. Hmm. Yeah, I see. That's good. I, I would say the the biggest issue is just exposure. Yes. And also the fact that when you're in a smaller community, everybody knows you personally. And sometimes they attach your lifestyle or your personal issues with your product. Right. And that's that's kind of hard to deal with, too. Like, I understand why these artists send their paintings and stuff to galleries halfway across the country (laughs) where no one knows them is because they don't want all of that baggage attached to their art. And thankfully we're living in a time where exposure to larger masses online is, is definitely easier. I can't imagine being an artist in a rural community, you know, even 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I mean, it would be even worse to try to find a way to get your stuff out there and to get people interested. It's just, it's an interesting, I guess, dichotomy or kind of the catch 22 is like when you're, when you start something, you want the exposure because you're trying to get your stuff out there. Right. Like you're yeah. trying to get people to buy your stuff. But what you're saying is in a rural area, everyone knows you and they're trying to attach all this, you know, baggage or whatever, yeah. you know, to your work. Um, Sometimes, it's kind, yeah. of a, it's kind of an interesting uh, thing to juggle. <laughs> I could see. And I mean, and it's, you know, it's a good incentive. You know, my mom always said, always be kind to people. You never know in the next 10 years who that person could be your boss one day. <laughs> Too, you don't know who's related to who. Well, that's t- especially I mean, in a small community. If you the ripple effect say is the huge. wrong thing, <laughs> you're going to have the entire community against you. But you know, and I think there are people in our community that would be interested in supporting us, but they they aren't financially able to pay a handmade price, and uh, so we have to, as artists, decide: is there a way that we can make a product and still be able to, you know meet our needs financially for what we've got to do, but also provide something for them that uh, they feel comfortable purchasing and not going to like be a burden to them financially. And I mean, that's something we saw at the handmade market too. There's, there's different types of shoppers or folks that are happy to buy the larger higher ticket items, but then there's some that are wanting little things and we're wanting to explore maybe some smaller made journals or notebooks or we're toying around with some different ideas to what we can have available for those that would like yeah, to support us but not not pay some of the higher end prices and strange enough the novelty of an item makes a huge difference like the the big thing right now with like journals and stuff is the little bitty key ring and necklace ones but i mean it we're gonna have to really figure out a very efficient way to make them because there's people online selling them for 20 bucks or something and or less or, or less. And really that's, that's another difficult aspect about starting a, a creative business is that all these other people, well, I I'm not saying that there's a lot, but there's a good portion of people that don't price their stuff accordingly. They don't pay themselves and, you know, you, you can't compete when there's 10 other people selling it for 
less than half of what you're charging. That's a really good point because that brings up something I've heard multiple times in our area. Um, other creative people who make things who undercut themselves, I'll say they don't pay themselves an appropriate wage either. They're barely breaking even or sometimes going in the hole to make their craft. Um, and they will simply say, there's no way you can pay yourself an hourly wage. It just, it just can't work. And I've, I've watched two or three people in the area agree. Oh no, there's, you just can't, you just can't. Ah, I don't agree. <laughs> I mean, and if you're wanting to build a business, you, you need to find that way to, we have bills too. I mean, just because we're creative and what we make is not, you know, at a nine to five job, we have an electric bill. We have, you know, pay, things we have to pay for to live food. Right. I mean, you know, we have internet bills because we want to have a website. Right. You know, we, we do social media as much as we can. And, you know, there's, there's bills that we have to pay. And so there's also an extreme amount of education that we have to do to the customers. Because even though those tiny journals are tiny, that doesn't mean they take less time. Sometimes smaller things take more time than larger things even. Yeah. I mean, because just from a, a, a binding technical aspect of it, you there's the paper trimming. You got to, you know, get them all the same size and you got to punch them all in the same spot so the thread lines up and then you got to figure out a cover. I mean, there's just as much work, if not more, that goes into a little bitty thing. But yet... Right people equate size with the price tag and that's not always the case. Right. I mean, for us, honestly, the full size journals are the most cost efficient for us to make because there's minimal trimming. You know, we've sourced our materials to where one book board will get us two journals out of two full size journals. And then the paper that we do, we, cut and folded accordingly and we get two sets two sheets two folded sheets of paper out of one so it's just stuff like that that we really try and I guess there's just a whole lot of technicality when it comes to making stuff like this that people don't understand happens and I think the other thing is we're not just making the craft and figuring out how to make our craft. We're figuring out how to price it. We're figuring out how to sell it. We're figuring out how to advertise it. I mean, there is no formula that you just plug this into. I mean, there's people out there that say they have it, but they want you to, you know, sign up for their program. And, and then you may or may not come out with something useful in the end. Some, and I'm not, there are some out there that maybe are, but. Um, A lot of those programs are just. This worked for me, so I'm sure it's going to work for you. Just pay, you know, XYZ. hundreds Which, of dollars for it. Right. And, you know, just because it, that's the other thing I've learned, I think, in, in the creative creative business. And uh, some of my um, Joplin friends have helped me understand is just because one way works for you doesn't mean it works for everybody. And what is normal for Jeremiah may not be normal for John and Cody and work for, you know, both families and uh, with our business, developing how we price and figuring all that out. And uh, 
I mean, we put hours and hours in thought and research into doing this to the best way that we can for our customer as well as ourselves. Because, again, if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't take care of our customer. Right. I mean, there's ways that we could reduce our prices even more by, I mean, I looked into like wholesale for the book board and it was like several thousands of dollars for a pallet of book board. And I'm like, hey, Cody, it's actually cheaper this way. Well, it's oh, like, great. We live in a 425 gonna... square foot house. Where are we going to put a pallet? <laughs> yeah. And then you got to have... You know, and then it's a, a giant board, and then you got to figure out how to cut it down. So, again, we have to do what works for us. Right. And that's, that's the thing. You know, these big box stores, they buy these journals and books for little or nothing because they're made in a factory by multiple people doing one step of the process. I mean, in these factories there's one person cutting book board that's all they do nine to five 40 hours a week nine to five if they're lucky depending on where they well, are <laughs> yeah but i mean you know we have to source our materials the best that we can because we know that the more that we pay the more the customer has to pay right and I can't tell you how many hours I've spent sourcing materials alone and then even doubting that what I'm ordering is going to work for us because I've ordered stuff and I'm like, well, that didn't work. Yeah. And so now I got to figure out what to do with it. Like I have some eyelets that are too thin and I'm like, well, it's not going to work for what I wanted. Find something to do with those. Stick them in a drawer until we figure it out. But I guess that's. You know, what a lot of people don't understand is that a creative's buying power affects the overall price. Like our buying, our, our buying power isn't that great because our budget is extremely limited. I mean, there's some really nice material out there I'd love to buy, but when it comes down to it, it's just not practical. And we don't want to, you know, buy the cheapest thing we can because we do want to have a quality item. We want people to walk away with a well-made item that's going to last for them and and be the type of paper they need for the type of pen that they want to use and uh, hold up to, you know, what their daily lives are going to do to it, you know, to the best of our ability. And, uh... So even though we may buy something, the product is middle of the road price point. It's because we don't want to give you the cheapest thing out there. You can get that at the, you know, at the box stores. And that's, that's what I've told people. I'm like, if, if you wanted cheap stuff, go to a big box store and buy the cheap stuff. It's always there. That's okay. If that's what you need, that's what you want. And that doesn't bother me at all. I mean, get what you need. You know, especially if you're trying to process your emotions and thoughts and stuff, you know, whatever, do whatever means that you need to, you know, use a yellow pad or use scratch paper or coloring book or whatever you got to use. Whatever it takes. I mean, but if you want, if you want to give a special gift, if you want something that's handmade and has that heart and soul poured into it and you want to have that as part of your collection of what you need to get you know and you can do that 
we're here for you. We're happy to do that. And we love providing that for people, but we get it. Not everybody can do that and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, we made a Bigfoot themed sketchbook for someone. I mean, you're not going to find that anywhere or you might find it at the uh the bigfoot convention or something i believe no i believe the uh, instructions were i want it bright and cheery with maybe a little bit of bigfoot (laughs) well all right (laughs) that's awesome and it was really cute um i think we have a you want to see i think it's under our custom order or our uh gallery section of our website i believe it's on there it's it's there and if it's not i'll make it there (laughs) it's a yeah the the interaction with the people is what really makes it fun for us because sometimes we even get to hear what they're going to use it for. Like we made a, um, a prayer journal. Well, she ended up using it for a prayer journal and another lady contacted us. Her son had passed away at a very young age. He was 23 or 32. He was all right. Yeah, he he's was, like in he his thirties with kids. And but her anyway, she cousin, had his obituary papers, and she's like, "Can you make a journal out of this?" And we're like, "Yeah, let's you know bring let's it over it. and we'll look at it." And we ended up making that for her, and she accidentally had to give it to a family member because they thought it was a gift for them. And so she was like, can you make me another one? Can we do that again? And so she brought us more papers and we made her another one. But that was really special for us because, you know, the grieving process is so hard for people. And he was so young at that time and he meant a lot to the family. And so I, I was... I, I really took my time with that one, and I made sure to do it to the best that I could. Yeah, we, and we really and do try to pour really, our heart into them. It really turned out nice. It was really nice, and it was really cool to get to be a part of um, blessing those people and helping them process that difficult time. And we've also made a journal for a lady who was facing cancer and chemotherapy, and she had mentioned to a friend that she was going to be journaling and so her friend contacts us like, hey, we, I want to make her a handmade journal. And we got to ship that to her. And that was, I mean, it's just to know that they're being used to help people deal with whatever they're facing, whether it's uh, sketching to process an idea for their business or their life, or if it's writing to get their emotions out so they don't go crazy in their marriage or whatever it is, you know, it's, they can do good. And they can help. And we love being able to provide beautiful pieces for them to do that with. Yeah, that's that's great. Being able to hear those stories, that's, that's something you would, yeah, you would never be able to do if you were just to mass produce your journals and put them in a store. Like you never know who's going to buy them. But be, being able to be intentional with those people, hearing what they're going to be used for. Uh, yeah, that's that's fantastic. And we love putting the personal touches, you know, like like our friend that's like, hey, I want it bright and beautiful and ch- and cheery, but a little bit of Sasquatch thrown in would be cool, too. <laughs> I mean, that's not something you're going to find in a store ever. And uh, it, to be able to honor their personal request and pour their personality and their uniqueness into a, a gift item or, or these uh, pieces is uh, it's an honor. It's a joy. I, I get a huge thrill out of trying to get you know when a person explained to me you know 
maybe they're not as creative themselves, but they have a vision in their head. And so I visit with them to try to get out what it is they're seeing or what it is they're hoping for. And, you know, I sit and painstakingly go through all these papers and create in my mind what I think I'm getting from them. And then to to show them, to reveal to them the final product. And they're like, oh, you nailed it. This is awesome. I absolutely love it. It's over the moon. That's the best feeling. Yeah. And too, from my aspect of it, you know, Cody... Cody makes them pretty, but I got to make sure that they stay together. And so she will describe the the feeling and just the, I don't know, the, the intent of the journal or sketchbook or whatever it is. And so then I'll start mentally going through the different bindings and the different thread colors because... You know, some bindings look harder than others, more so like hard angles and stuff. And others are more loopy and airy and almost softer. And so a lot of people don't understand the the stitching process, which is fine. You know, I don't understand a lot of things as well, but just to be able to extend the binding into the overall piece is really nice. Yeah, I told John, I was like, without you, I would just be making these pieces of bookboard look pretty and they would be just a flat, inanimate, useless thing. <laughs> he makes them into a practical, useful book that a person can take with them and use and and do what they need to do. But yeah, he he gets to pour his creativity into the painstakingly unique stitching that he does in each book and it's fun to see what designs he feels will match the feel of that journal cover and uh, pulling it together yeah because just as much as a painter will feel the painting as it's going on i get to experience the feel of the journal especially when it comes together you know some of them all I wanted to have a, a looser, airier feel, so I'll loosen up the stitching just the tiniest bit, and then when I'm done, it's got a much more fluid movement to it. Whereas if, like I did one that was all camouflage a while back, I did the stitching to where the colors actually are alternating, but it's done in such a way that you actually have to look at it close to notice that there's two colors in it. So you're saying it's camouflaged, John? It was. The stitching was an extension of the, the theme of the camouflage. Yes, that's that's been so cool. And to know that we're just touching the tip of the iceberg. I mean, as far as he's oh, just getting started with different styles of stitching. and There's so many different sky's styles. Sky's the limit. I mean, every country has their own version of bookbinding and history and stuff. And it's just a really amazing art to be able to experience. And when each piece is finished, to me, they're, they are a work of art and they get a name. I name every journal we finish. Finish. Every journal we finish gets a name. And uh, to me, they, they have their own personality. So they deserve a name. Just doesn't seem right to just call them journal number three. <laughs> I mean, we basically, 
I call them, you know, Coptic 123, but that's just for my bookkeeping, you know. I'll be like, which which book is bright and beautiful again? She's like, oh, it's that one with the butterfly and the, the ribbon and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't even remember that one. I know them all. They're like children. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Maybe uh, talk a little about, about being married and running a business, a creative business together. That is tricky. <laughs> it is. Is very, very tricky. But possible. It, it's very doable, but you have to have a ton of patience. And communication is so important. Yeah. Um, the main thing with starting a business is that there is so much you will not understand and you have to learn. And be patient with one another as you try to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, everybody has strength and weaknesses and both of ours is numbers. And so is our weakness big time. We had to <laughs> get with a, a CPA and be like, okay, we need you to baby step us through the process of doing taxes. And she's like, you know, no problem. And so it's just finding, um, I don't want to say resources, but, um, being willing to ask for help when you need it. Yeah. Absolutely ask for help, you know, with, with taxes, with forms, there's... Or whatever your weakness is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you have an online presence, you're going to have to learn SEO and you're going to have to learn to write decent copy, which it's not easy. And I've done it for like close to a hundred journals now and I still feel so awkward when I'm writing it. I'm like, this feels so weird to write this way. But I mean, writing copy is an art form, just like painting and binding is an art form. And you have to learn how to price your stuff. You have to keep, um, you have, you have to keep yourself organized. <laughs> and I think the big thing we've had to do with being married running a business in our home together uh, is, you know, you watch when the other, you know, when the other one's struggling, I mean, you know, your spouse, you know what, what they deal with. And um, when there's a situation like a business issue that needs to be discussed, I would approach him and just say, okay, I need to speak to you as a business partner right now. And he'd be like, okay. So it's like, I warned him what, what I'm saying, I'm not attacking you as a person. I'm not, I'm not getting on you as my husband. I'm not discussing this in a marital, you're my business partner and we need to talk a business situation or issue. And this is what I'm seeing. And so he was prepared mentally because I warned him, Hey, this is what I'm needing. This is what we I'm asking for. And, uh, we wouldn't let any marital, um, Road bumps, speed yeah, bumps. Yeah, any kind of marital issues that might be or uh, get in the way, we could focus on the business part um, and not, I guess in a way you keep it separate, but but it, it can't be completely because the business is part of who I am. It's part of you, who you are. It's a part of who you are, absolutely. I mean, you can... You can remove it to a certain point, but especially if you're operating 
out of your home like we are, it's always there. I mean, there is nothing that you can do really to get it out of sight, except maybe throw a blanket over it or something. (laughs) And for us, that'd be half our house. Yeah. And it'd just be weird. (laughs) So, so far, we've not run into wishing that we needed to get physically away from it too much. We've been pretty good with allowing ourselves breaks. We take our dog for a walk. We take a, a, a good long break for supper and you know watch oh, sure, watch something and get our minds off of it and you still have a life right i mean yes you need to work hard and get your business going but at the same time don't forget to have a life don't forget to live yeah and and don't forget your friends don't forget your family don't forget you're still a husband and a wife and you have to keep your marriage you know i still we still have to put food on the table i saw you know one of us has to stop and cook dinner one of us still has to stop and you know, dishes have to be done the household has to be kept and i guess some of the time management that's involved there and and communicating but not having to be nasty about it and saying hey i've noticed you know it'd be great if you'd help out with this because you know i'm struggling with that or hey you know i've noticed you've done this can you please help me out by not doing that but not like you know, taking each other's heads off <laughs> every time something comes up, being patient, I guess it comes down to that again. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to learn to manage your stress levels Yeah, because you're going to be stressed a lot. Um, you know, we're, we're very much country people and the, our Kansas city show was a nightmare for Cody, but I was, okay with it i mean he was very patient with my uncomfortableness and being in the city (laughs) and it's just helping one another you know i noticed that she was getting stressed out so i just say it's okay well this is all going to be fine and she'd be like okay and later on it was fine and you know we all get over it but You know, she could have chosen to bite my head off and express all of her feelings, but she didn't. And the same is true with me. I get stressed out because, you know, there's times when we get slammed with several custom orders and, you know, there's stuff we got to get shipped out or I'm trying to do stuff with the website or I'm trying to learn a new business aspect of it. And I'm just like struggling to manage my time Mm -hmm. but i just have to remember that we're still people and we still have to respect each other yeah john and i are two very different people and what his needs are and his time frames and his stress level effect is different than mine it's not good nor bad it's just is it's just different and uh we just have taken the time in our marriage prior to the business to learn what the other one needs, what the other one gets triggered by, what the other one uh, has to do to decompress and unwind. And we try to honor that, even though it may be inconvenient for me. I, you know, I'll let him have his space if he needs it. If it's something I really want to talk about, but I know he needs time to decompress, I'll, that's okay. Something else I can do for a while, let him get to where he needs to be. And then we can have a healthy and productive conversation later when he's ready and vice versa. I mean, I'm the same way, you know, I got to have my time too. And he's really great at that. And so you just, we're a team. We're not out. No one's trying to be better than the other one. No one's trying to outdo the other one. 
Right. I mean, everything that you do and say, it's either going to add to your marriage or it's going to chip away. Right. And that's that's just the visual that I keep in mind. It's because there's several times where I have to bite my tongue and just say, you know what? It is not worth saying this, even though I really want to. And I'm completely justified in saying it. (laughs) I know in my core that it's going to chip away at our relationship and our marriage is going to suffer. And I'm just like, it's not worth it. It's not because, yeah, there's plenty of times that I know I could have poked a button and really gotten my point across. But for, for what? You know, what, just to make you more upset at me and then blow up something to where it's we ruin our it. evening. It's not worth it. Life's too short. Not at all worth it. And so, especially when you're running a business together, you're not only wanting to keep the peace in your home because a home should be a peaceful place. You're wanting to maintain a, an enjoyable workspace. So, you know. Where else are you going to go? Yeah. Especially with us. <laughs> with us, we're just like, I guess you're either going to go outside or go up to the loft because that's the options. Yeah. Well, <laughs> go like, set your, the, yourself in the bathroom. <laughs> have like 400 square foot. I mean, where are you going to go? Right, right. So, um, but John, you know, something, and we do sometimes need space. He'll put his headphones on, listen to a podcast or some music, and I'll watch something on YouTube. And even though we're near each other, we're in our own worlds in a sense working. And then other times we'll listen to something together and talk about it. Whatever we need, you know, being flexible and communicate. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? So. Uh, so a lot of these podcasts have been geared towards like inspiring or encouraging um, creatives. Um, so I guess if there's a last bit of words you could say, um, you know, maybe towards what we've been talking about, you know, either like, you know, maybe you're speaking to the creative that's start just recently started a business or has this vision that they'd like to see come to fruition. Um, what would you encourage them in that or just in their creative process in general, what would you encourage them in? Um, yeah, just go ahead and, and go off of that a little bit. Um, my final words towards creatives would be, be kind to yourself, you know, be understanding with yourself. You're learning, you're growing, you're not there yet, and you'll never be completely there. So don't be afraid to practice. I needed to hear this because I struggle with make, allowing myself time to practice. Not only practice, but play. And play. That's really important, too. And I'm still learning that. But le- letting yourself have time to play and learn and grow and, and do your creative thing because you love it and don't get stuck on the, the monetary factor and how can I make money with this? The journals just kind of happened. I mean, we enjoyed doing it. We liked doing it. And then it became, Hey, would you ever sell those? You know? So some of that happens organically and naturally. And, and usually that's the best thing. So don't push it. Don't, don't, don't overdo it yourself to where you no longer enjoy what you do just to, to make a buck. You know, love it and and remember your creative because it's part of who you are and uh, it's something you enjoy and it should be something you enjoy. Yeah. If you're, even if you're just starting a, a craft or something, just keep doing it. I mean, the money should be well in the back of your mind, especially when you're just starting off. You know, your stuff's not going to be as good as it could be. 
but just keep playing, especially play as much as you practice. Because if you're not enjoying it, then what's the point? Um, challenge yourself. Learn learn new techniques, new, like for me, it's learn new bindings, learn new methods. But uh, yeah, definitely challenge yourself and just keep doing it. Find the, find the market that appeals, find your people, I guess. Yes. You know, because craft shows don't work for us just because that's a different mindset of people. But art shows seem to be more where our people are. Yeah. And, and, and along the lines of people, find yourself a community or reach out to other creatives or Try to surround yourself by people who encourage what you do and support you and love you and let you know that even though maybe what you did wasn't perfect this time, you need people that can give you positive advice, um, critiques that maybe are hard to hear, but they they care and they're trying to help you be better. Find those people because you need those people um, to help you grow. And uh, and hopefully you can do that for someone else, too, and encourage them and help them grow in their craft. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced creatives need other creatives often. And maybe it's not hundreds of people. Maybe it's just a couple. But it's good to have a few creative friends around to help keep you sane and keep you focused and uh, build one another up, sharpen each other. Yeah, because they're going to have that artistic mindset and they're going to say, this doesn't quite work you know the um veronica pointed out to you you know a trick to see if your your image is symmetrical when you're drawing is to flip it upside down and then that just makes literally makes you see it in a different viewpoint and it'll let you see if you're doing it right but i would yeah going along that just find a mentor someone that's ahead of you. So maybe another artistic small business owner and then, you know, learn from them, talk to them and find a, I think it's called a peer, somebody that's close close to what you're doing, where you're at now, and then find somebody to intern I guess Men- I, I don't mentor know. Mentor yourself. Someone yeah. b- coming up behind you that you can help. Right. And and find your community because mm-hmm. you can't do this alone. I like it. <laughs> Yay! Yay! We did it so you'd like well, it, Jeremiah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, John and Cody, for driving all the way to Joplin specifically to do this podcast. Uh, I know that's exactly what you're coming here to do. And- uh, Did you tell him that? I, didn't tell him. I don't know that it was mentioned, <laughs> but we'll let him just go, go with it. it. Just go with it. Just go with it.